0: neurobiologics proudly presents season two of coffee with dr stewart this show will provide our listeners with up-to-date medical information from a leading neurotologist and neuromean specialist With Dr. Stewart's broad medical knowledge, we will discuss how he helps his patients with issues such as ADD, migraines, hormones, sleep, fatigue, methylation, autism, genetic mutations, and nutritional protocols. I am your host, Kara Stewart Mullins, and I invite you to sit back, grab your favorite beverage or cup of coffee, and let's have Coffee with Dr. Stewart. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coffee with Dr. Stewart. I am Kara Stewart-Mullins, your host, and we are delighted to be here on the Sunday afternoon. Hello, Dr. Stewart. Hello, Kara. How, How are, you? are you? I'm fine. You me. look a little tired there. What's fine. going on? Oh, just
1: lots of kids. Now.
0: Lots of kids. You always say lots of kids, but it's lots of medicine. It's lots of this.
1: Yeah, but kids.
0: Okay. They wear you out. Sure. Well, anyways, I'm going to cut to the chase as usual, and I'm going to say that today is a very exciting show for me personally, because this is in my backyard. We're going to talk about supplementation. I'm going to call it supplementation 101. You know, I work for Neurobiologics. I get hundreds of questions from consumers and they're very valid questions, but a lot of times we can't answer those kind of questions because we're not medically trained or you know sometimes you got to talk to your physician or your doctor. But I just want to get the basics for a lot of the nutrition That is out. It's a billion dollar industry. There are millions of products to choose from. So how do you know what's going to be worth your money because you work hard for it? But also what you know, what are you looking for when you are looking for supplementation? You know, Dr. Stewart's been the CSO for neurobiologics when they approached him many years ago to start neurobiologics and he makes the formulas so he is the expert on vitamin and nutrition especially the delivery part all right doctor sir you ready mm-hmm. so i'm just going to start with the basic question what are the different types of vitamins and i'm talking about water soluble versus fat soluble sure
1: and so basically the the body operates in two major areas one is water solubility or able to be able to dissolve in water Versus fat soluble, which means they are able to be dissolved in fat. Now,
0: and when you say dissolved in fat, like cross over the typically.
1: Fat? So basically, our membranes that protect our cells are actually fatty type of things. So, are they involve omega three fatty acids and many of the different um, chemical structures that we would consider fats? Okay. Um, basically, is a, a basic law of chemistry. We have. What we call lipophilic and lipophobic. And basically, that means loving fat or not liking fat.
0: So, water syllable is lipophobic. Phobic. Gotcha. Phobia. Is it?
1: Yep. Ah. Very technical terms. But basically, you know that some of our body is fat, some of it is water. And so, basically, what we have to do is be able to use a specific nutritional element in the area that it's needed
0: okay so you know they put water soluble includes b vitamins one two three five six eight nine twelve vitamin c so those Mm -hmm. are the some of the the ones that are dissolved in water correct okay and then we get into the fat soluble which are a d e k and they dissolve in fat they can be stored in the body but there are some b vitamins in your patients that you always talk about that have that conversion issue from water soluble to get to the fat-soluble areas. Well, to get
1: through the fat, basically, to where it needs to go. So don't worry too much about it. But what they're really talking about more is the toxicity of them. Basically, we have the ability to pee water-soluble vitamins back out. Okay. So no matter what levels they reach in our blood, whether they're too high, they are not going to become toxic because we'll just eliminate them to a certain degree. Okay. Whereas the fat-soluble vitamins, theoretically, because they have no ability for us to clean fat easily, Mm-hmm. Can become toxic if they get to too high of levels.
0: Okay, and that kind of comes down to the methylation part.
1: Well, a little bit to the methylation. Methylation is basically just a way that we chemically convert vitamins to be used in different places.
0: And we're talking about inside, it's an internal.
1: Correct, function is the active form of folic acid, and it has to really do more about what's absorbed from food and what's absorbed from the GI tract versus the form that we use uh, in the cell itself.
0: Okay, well then that takes me to the next, you said about the water soluble, that they can't become toxic because you can flush them out. Correct. I get this question all the time from consumers. Will your body only take what it needs and then excrete the rest?
1: Yeah, it's really not.
0: <laughs> not that simple? <laughs> not
1: even close.
0: <laughs> well, I was, you always talk about the expensive pee, right. you know, and you, you take well, a bunch of vitamins and you got yellow pee in your toilet. Right. So, so kind of really what, what is that about? What we're
1: talking about is the delivery system, which is absorbing it, putting it into the bloodstream and then what's being used in the cell. So we have to transport it from the bloodstream to the cell. Okay. So the biggest problem we have is that different transport mechanisms are needed to put it into the cell. Ultimately, you don't care what's in your blood. What you care about is what's in the cell doing what it's supposed to do.
0: That the vitamins got there. So
1: we typically measure blood because a lot of people want to prove that you're not delivering enough. Mm -hmm. Okay, But a lot of times when we look at folic acid or B12 and the levels are extremely high. Yep. That means, yeah, it's getting into the blood, but the body can't deliver it into the cell and process it and utilize it.
0: And that's where a methylation issue comes into play. That's where
1: methylation comes in. So always remember, many people believe that, oh, you must be just supplementing too much folic acid or you're taking too much B12. Well, in people that don't take any of that stuff, we still find those high levels, and we've done those studies. And basically, we find out that they're just not able to utilize and convert that form of folic acid or b12
0: because they're water soluble
1: they aren't able to convert it in their biochemical process
0: okay because we talk about methylation a lot and it has mm-hmm. a lot to do with methyl folate methyl b12 Right. okay so we try and go around it with a lot of our products and and we put it in the methylated form so that the body doesn't have to make that conversion
1: that's correct because the weaknesses that we are finding genetically The problem is for folic acid alone, there are seven biochemical steps that it has to go through in order to get to methylfolate or the active form. Mm -hmm. We now know that there are weaknesses in genetics at each of those different steps. So you can have a screwed up pathway at multiple places. And a lot of my patients who are more severely methylated or methyl deficient, they only produce about 20 to 30% of the methylated forms of those vitamins.
0: And we're talking about people that have the MTHFR mutation, um, the it. MTRR mutation. A lot of people are getting their genetic results bi- out there.
1: bi reductase, folic acid 1-2 receptors, MTHFDs. I mean, I can just go down the whole...
0: Oh, yeah. I know. That's a whole nother show, too, so... <laughs> Well, my question, because a lot of people go, oh, my gosh, you know, if I have high levels of B12 in my blood that my doctor said, should I stop my multivitamin? No. You should just find one that has the correct form, the methyl form.
1: Well, the answer is, if you see the high level of B12 in your blood, that means that no matter what you take from a standard form, you're not going to deliver it. So a regular B12, which is cyanocobalamin, is Mm -hmm. not going to help you. So the reason you take a methylated form, because obviously the interruption is from converting the, the normal B12 or the basic B12 to the active form. Okay. So we basically are just bypassing it.
0: Well, that kind of gives me the question, you know, that news report came out on Fox about pregnancy, women who are pregnant need to omit folic acid supplementation in prenatal vitamins. They need to have the methylfolate version. Is that because there's so many people out there with a methylation
1: That's correct. And, issue? and basically it's not omitting. There's a false concept out there that's very prevalent that folic acid in high levels, because you have it found in high in your blood, it's toxic. Mm-hmm. Those vitamins are not toxic. They're just not being delivered. I tell people it's. So what kind of, happens to them? They get peed out eventually. Eventually. The, what I, I tell people it's kind of like having an IRA. If you've got two hundred thousand dollars in your IRA, you are not rich because you can't touch it without paying a penalty, right? Okay. Do you understand? Yeah. And so it's you're not rich because the money's in a place where you can't get to it. So.
0: It just kind of
1: sits there. It just sits there. And so the whole idea is that many people will make bad mistakes not understanding it chemically. So there are articles out there that say, oh, look, high folic acid in the blood causes cancer because they noticed that folic acid being high and cancer were correlated. Well, the real way that works is that you can't process the folic acid so the immune system doesn't get as
0: doesn't get form. the proper form. It ah. does not work. Therefore,
1: the cancer shows up.
0: Well, you know, you, you hear people all the time. Like, I, I have people that come in and they go, oh, I just got a B12 shot. but It just doesn't work. I'm like, well, first of all, it's probably not in the right form if you have a mutation. Correct. And you have to have the cofactor, which is methylfolate. Right. So
1: don't be careful of correlations. You okay. know, I tell people, you know. I was driving to work today and two blue cars had wrecks. Okay. So I really think, in my experience, that blue cars have more wrecks, so we should outlaw blue cars.
0: Okay. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) No, the answer is it doesn't make any sense. So that's a correlation in my experience. Okay. So correlations just means that we saw a commonality or a coincidence instead of understanding the exact proper process.
0: So a lot of women that come in to see you who are either trying to get pregnant or pregnant and end up with an MTHFR mutation, you do, I mean, you probably advise them to stay away from folic acid because Answer, they need that methyl need folate. First of all,
1: folic acid is in every green vegetable. You're not going to be able to stay away from folic yeah. acid. So that's dumb. Okay. Okay. Don't even think that. Don't worry about it. What it means is when you absorb it, it's going to float around in your blood and you're not going to be able to use it and you're going to pee it out.
0: Well, then how do you protect that baby? Because you need that folic because acid. you have
1: to then bypass the weakness that you have and deliver methyl folate.
0: So do they just put – now a lot of prenatals have methylfolate in them now.
1: That's right, because they finally figured it out. Okay. Yeah, that was a
0: huge Fox report, and we got a lot of calls on that, you know. Well,
1: guess what? We've been talking about that for 15 years.
0: I know. Well, you have. (laughs) Okay, that gets me to my next point, because you say this a lot on the shows. You say no one vitamin works alone. Right. And a lot of people go, what exactly does he mean by that? And I try to explain, you know, the methylfolate, methyl B12, they're like brother and sister. They go together. Explain what you mean by that with everything.
1: Basically, um, God makes recipes. You're not going to have one magic thing. So let's—I I give people this example. What's the most important ingredient in spaghetti sauce?
0: A oh, tomatoes. Ingredient? Well, no are noodles. Sure? Are
1: you sure? <laughs> and spaghetti sauce.
0: Is tomatoes. It the garlic?
1: Is it the onions? Is it the tomatoes? Oh. What
0: is it? well, okay. to me, it'd be the tomato sauce, I well, guess. If
1: you don't have to, if you don't have tomatoes, then you just got a bunch of brown garlic and onion. Yeah. And herbs. The answer is they're all important. Okay. Do you understand? And so the whole idea is that's the way nutrition works. All of these things work together. And so it's kind of like tasting a soup. If you leave out certain ingredients in any type of recipe, the soup doesn't taste as good. And so what we want to know is where and what nutritional elements are you having specific trouble yourself in delivering or basically having proper levels to make the soup taste perfect?
0: Okay. Well, you let understand? me let me ask you a, a, a question this way. Like CoQ10 – CoQ10 is very popular for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But if you just take CoQ10 by itself, is that going to deliver appropriately?
1: The answer is it delivers to a certain degree. What we're really learning is genetically what CoQ10 is involved in is basically the mitochondrial function of the cell. That energy. You're correct. You're cr- you're creating energy in what we call the respiratory chain. The respiratory chain is basically five steps in the mitochondria that lead to energy production. Now CoQ10 is used in step one and three okay. of that five-step process. The problem is, is that we're learning that there's genetic defects or weaknesses in those steps. Okay, we basically have several forms. CoQ10 is the base form. The useful form is called ubiquinol. Okay. The oxidized form is called ubiquinone. So we've
0: okay. been using ubiquinone in our products, and because ubiquinone
1: gets converted back back to ubiquinol. And that's the one that's used. But what's happening is we're changing hydrogen molecules. And that's how the mitochondria works. We create a flux of hydrogen molecules. Basically, what we're doing is we want to deliver more. But what we're learning is that there's ways for us to manipulate that system to make it more effectively. So you can measure your blood levels of ubiquinol or Mm -hmm. CoQ10, but it doesn't necessarily tell us that there's proper function in the cell. What we're now interested in is what's going on where it really needs to be important, not how you're delivering it. Not what your levels are, but how can you utilize it at the cell? And
0: that's where genetic testing can come. That's
1: where genetics come.
0: Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here because I have a lot more questions for Dr. Stewart. This is his background with the making of the formulas. So we will be right back with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. No two people are the same. Our health issues and our nutritional needs are as unique as our smiles. That's why our mission at Neurobiologics is simple provide quality nutrition that changes lives, one formula at a time. Developed through a collaboration with top U.S. physicians, each Neurobiologics formula carefully targets specific health issues. I can't tell you how much supplementation has helped our family. Being able to put back in their bodies what they were missing. We had dramatic results. We had focus in school. We had children that were able to sleep through the night. We had children that had their moods regulated.
1: What we're interested more in neurobiologics is replenishing the insufficiencies that the body has in order to recover the underlying problem and reestablish the nervous system and immune system normal function.
0: Each of us is unique. Shouldn't your supplement be too? Neurobiologics. We are changing lives one formula at a time. Right, and we are back. I am Kara Stewart-Mullinger, host with Coffee with Dr. Stewart. And we are talking about supplementation, basically like supplementation 101. We're talking with the expert here, Dr. Kendall Stewart. We kind of left the last portion on CoQ10, and we we got a little bit through it. He was explaining the, the delivery process, and it's amazing how many processes these nutritional products or ingredients take. To get delivered into the proper form and into the body correct
1: right, right correct
0: okay so we had a lot of questions about statins and coq10 mm-hmm. a lot of doctors now are realizing you need to take coq10 when you're on a statin is that correct
1: well the answer is in theory that's certainly correct here's how you got to put it together um sterols which is cholesterol and ster uh, basically are the precursors to steroids which start with pregnenolone and go to progesterones and onto the your hormones. testosterone and your cortisol and aldosterone and all these different things. So most of the steroids are actually made in and around the mitochondria. Now, the way statins work to reduce your cholesterol is essentially by blocking a step in your mitochondria oh. that produces cholesterol
0: is that why you're not a fan or that's <laughs> <laughs> is that a, a catch-22 question answer
1: is that's a catch-22 question now what we know is then people who have genetic weaknesses in certain steps in the mitochondria that are using coq10 mm-hmm. which is a quinolone basically we know that those people who get on lose most of their CoQ10 function, ah. and then that creates all the bad side effects like myopathies, brain fog, et cetera, et cetera.
0: That's why CoQ10 is such a popular nutrient, right? That's correct.
1: Now, what we're learning is that there is actually a much more potent form of CoQ10 called PQQ. Yeah, we They're just…
0: We just added that to one of our yeah, formulas. you are going to
1: learn that PQQ is actually much more potent, much more effective, and it has a very unique ability that really has not been found in any other supplement to actually tell your cell to make more mitochondria.
0: Now, does it work in conjunction with CoQ10? Yeah, so
1: CoQ10 is a pyroquinoline quinone. Okay. Uh, CoQ10 is coquinone 10, and it basically just describes the chain biochemically on the molecule, and basically what we want to do is we want to use the most effective form of CoQ10 because, in essence, it relates to how effective the cell has energy. We're learning that energy plays a huge role. Okay. So basically what I tell you is that the brain uses 40% of the energy of the body. Okay. The muscles use 20, the immune system uses 20, and the rest of the body uses 20. Okay. okay this is kind of a simple way to think about it. So I want you to think about a 90-year-old lady. Let's yeah. See. Okay. So her batteries are starting to wear out. Really wear out. Okay. So what goes south?
0: The body. The brain, the brain. Yeah, then okay. the body.
1: Then the body, the muscles, and then the immune system. Do you understand? Yeah. So what we know is that people who essentially live longer, more quality lives typically have a little bit higher mitochondrial function or a greater number of mitochondria.
0: That's amazing. You know, I'm so glad you explained that because we we have a product now of PQQ and I'd have no idea what to say to people.
1: Right. So basically what it's been shown to do by some fairly elegant research at University of California, Davis, and you're going to start hearing a lot about this because everybody's really interested in this and Parkinson's is that if we can tell a cell to make more mitochondria, mm-hmm. then it's better to have eight batteries in a cell than four batteries.
0: Yeah, because the mitochondria are the batteries of the cell. they
1: batteries of the cell, and they're essential for life. Okay. So the whole idea is if we have what I would tell most of my patients, that if you are going to take a statin, you're probably going to want to be on PQQ or 10 combination.
0: Gotcha. Okay. That makes perfect sense. I understand that. Well, the next thing I want to talk to you about is minerals. Mm-hmm. Minerals are extremely important, and we get sure. a lot from foods and things like that, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of people that feel that they have mineral deficiencies, mm-hmm. and so give us your, your <laughs> okay. opinion on that, please. <laughs>
1: uh, the min- mineral deficiency is kind of a funny term. Okay. The thing with minerals minerals are are cofactors in the body. They're yeah. used for specific functions in the body.
0: Yeah. They talk about thyroid gland, immune system, muscle function, Correct. red blood cells, so bone they're health. Just
1: essential cofactors, meaning that they are needed to help things happen. Now, there's been a little bit of conflicting understanding biochemically in this. People will tell you, oh, you need zinc, or oh, you need lots of calcium, or you like lots of magnesium. Yeah. Well, those can help us. Mm-hmm. Okay. But the problem is is that many people hope that if we put in extra minerals that we'd get more function (laughs) – from a oh, specific my enzyme. gotcha. You're okay? just trying to
0: keep it functioning well.
1: You're supposed to, yeah. So the right. only thing that minerals can do, deficiencies in minerals, not having enough can keep an enzyme from not working as well. Okay. But having extra minerals does not mean that you can actually keep an enzyme working better than it's already programmed
0: to. Okay. So, you know, like selenium supports thyroid, well, but it's not going to fix your thyroid. Well,
1: what it does is it supports what's called deiodinase, the conversion of T4, which is the pool of thyroid to okay. the most active form which is called T3. And so by having too little selenium that will keep you from converting to T3. Ah. We add selenium to those patients to try to make sure that that enzyme works to its potential. Okay. Now some people have weaknesses in that conversion. And you can put all the selenium you want in there. And it won't work. And it won't work because there's a genetic weakness. So really what we're getting to now is instead of saying everybody needs to be on calcium, magnesium, zinc, uh, selenium, and everybody be, you know. Yeah. That is big overkill.
0: Yeah, and you know, you always talk about genetic weakness. I just want to clarify for everybody. Genetic weakness is, he's talking about when he gets a genetic testing report back and you see that mutation on that SNP. So you know what they're going to need or not need. This is not just guessing. No.
1: So basically what's happened is over the past five years, a major change has happened. We have made much less expensive, much easier machines for determining DNA testing. Okay. And so 1,096 known genetic variations are found in the enzymes of the human body, according wow. to the 1,000 Genome Project. And so we have a way to actually genetically test anybody, and we find out what your specific weaknesses are versus what my specific weaknesses, yeah. weaknesses are. With a little and cheek swap. Even though we're we're siblings, ours is different because we didn't get the same roll of the dice from our parents. Yeah. Okay? Okay. So what well, you we wa- definitely
0: got the smarter side. Well, <laughs> and so I you got, got the-, the beautiful
1: side. Right? <laughs> and the taller side. Okay. <laughs> so the long and the short of it is, is that we really want to know now, instead of saying, "Oh, well, this drug works in a population of five thousand people, and we have this many side effects and this many successes."
0: You don't know what their mutations were.
1: What we want to know is how is it going to work in you?
0: I gotcha. That's why I love that medicine's going down specification, like the genetic side.
1: And so, typically, what we want to know, we can put in minerals, and minerals are very important, don't get me wrong. But you've also got to know where there's a weakness because, unfortunately, many people think, well, if I take selenium, my thyroid will be healthier. That doesn't necessarily always
0: hold true. you know, a lot of people take a mineral complex. So, that's that's kind of like, you Mm -hmm. know, you're covering a little bit of the basis, and that couldn't be a bad product.
1: Um, Most of that's really about their diet. Ah, gotcha.
0: Well, that kind of leads into again, you know, people go, oh my gosh, I eat a good diet and all that. But with all the processed foods and all the pesticides and everything, I mean, is it necessary to take a multivitamin?
1: The answer is if you're really eating good fruits and vegetables and meat and you're eating clean, you probably don't necessarily need to. Now, sometimes there can be absorption problems. There can be delivery problems. uh, And so what we have to do is know where your specific problems are. It does not mean that you need to take every vitamin and mineral on the
0: market. Yeah, and there's a lot of people who do.
1: So that's what's really important to me, the focus products that are specifically needed for you okay we're not in the business of handing you everything that we can think of so you're carrying around a bunch of bottles that well and that's not why work.
0: your formulas work because the cofactors for the delivery right. and also you've kind of designed this for your patient base who have these types of genetic well, weaknesses I'm,
1: I'm the chemist and they're not yeah and that's how simple it is. And so the whole idea is it's trying to make it easy and it's also less expensive for the patient and easier easier to keep up with.
0: Okay, to my next question. I want this is about vitamin D. Okay, mm-hmm. I get this all the time. Well, my vitamin D level came out low. Mm -hmm. how much should i take because the rdas are not very there's lots of conflicting so the rdas have
1: nothing to do with how well it's transported so there are vitamin d receptors there's two of them
0: the vdr tac Mm, and that mutation
1: so what happens is those have to grab the vitamin d and deliver it we know that many people don't do that very well okay so those people have to take highly absorbable high levels of it to get their levels even up to normal
0: and they have to take it with k
1: k helps the absorption in that realm now the whole idea The idea is the RDAs have no concept in genetics, no concept in polymorphisms and differences among people. They're just saying, this is what we think you should take. So RDAs are the government stepping in and saying, basically, this is what we think people should take.
0: For the general public.
1: For the general public.
0: And they're trying to be very safe, too.
1: They're ultra-safe.
0: Ultra-safe. Well, they ha- kind of have to be. You know, we all have to follow the label guidelines. You know, we're certified sure. by the Natural Science Foundation. We have to follow GMP yeah, guidelines. I'm not going to
1: criticize the government, but those RDAs were determined a long time ago. Vitamin D has recently changed within the last few years as far as the normal levels. You know, I'm not trying to criticize the government, but if you know genetics, it, it is different for different people. RDA is not specific... For everyone. For everybody.
0: Okay. Well, then that leads me to my last point. Then we're going to have to close the show. Gosh, we ran out of time. So let's say that you you feel that you need to take supplements and you're on current medications. We get this question all the time, and we cannot answer medical questions. We do not know prescriptions and if it's going to be safe with vitamins. I mean, what do you tell those people? I always say you have to talk to your doctor or your pharmacist.
1: You have to talk to your doctor or pharmacist.
0: Because... K, a blood thinner might interfere with vitamin K. That's a common one, I guess. We, so we are not allowed to give out any of that the information. Experts,
1: the experts in that are your pharmacists.
0: Yeah, they seem to know that because they have that huge log.
1: They have a huge log because nobody can know them all. And so that's what you do. You call your pharmacist and you ask.
0: Okay. Because a lot of people are like, I don't want to go back to my doctor. He doesn't know much about supplementation well, or this and that. So yeah, the pharmacist then would then be your best. And I would tell best. you
1: that you probably need a new doctor. Yeah. But what I will also tell you, the pharmacists are going to be the experts. Yeah,
0: that. I love my pharmacists too because they always seem be very very helpful and they're very knowledgeable they're trained just as well
1: as some doctors out there maybe well they're trained in medicines and interactions yeah that's their job that's their that's their forte Mm -hmm.
0: all right one quick question that we keep getting once i take probiotics for a few months will the positive bacteria remain in my system and permanently stay or do i have to keep taking them i
1: wish that was true me too uh (laughs) That's a big question. There's a lot more involved. We actually secrete a good sugar into our bowel called a fucosal sugar to attract good bacteria. Mm -hmm. Many people do not secrete that sugar.
0: That's the beta-glucans we've talked
1: about. Yeah, and so that sugar is very important. So the answer is no. In most people who have gut issues and need probiotics, the answer is they will never set up a normal colony.
0: Just like methylation. It never fixes permanently. And
1: also, we eat a lot of things and we drink water that's chlorine purified and so there are many ways for us to kill and destroy those bacteria and the best way is just to keep replenishing them
0: okay so that answered that question ladies and gentlemen i appreciate your time today thank you dr stewart for all your wisdom and i hope everybody has a blessed and beautiful sunday afternoon This show is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. Dr. Stewart serves as the chief science officer and lead formulator for neurobiologics and advises you to consult with your own medical professional on any information given during this programming. This information is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any disease or medical condition.